a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we'll get to breakdancing in the Olympics in just a moment. But first off, I need to uh, offer up a round of applause to KSL News Radio's Maria Chaleos. Uh, you may have heard in her newscast there, she deliver a story about the uh, security chief uh, from Israel. Yeah, the former, let me get this right, the former Israeli space security chief says that extraterrestrials exist and that Trump knows about it. KSL News Radio's Maria Shaleos delivered that story without breaking stride. You, she, she, she's she's walking into the newsroom right now, uh, Maria. Listen, I'm I'm a newcomer. This is just my my one year anniversary of becoming a broadcaster Congratulations. here. Thank thank you very much. Uh, you you have a few more years under your belt. Uh, let me ask you this: How is it possible that you were able to deliver a story as absurd as that one was, and do so with a straight face, as professional as you were able to just do? I have to do it every day, and you can't make <laughs> this stuff up, right? This former security chief says what? That aliens do exist and that Trump knows about it and that he at once was on the verge of revealing that, spilling the beans to the world? Oh, not only that, the U.S. has an agreement with the aliens. Oh, my gosh. Is that a handshake deal or is it like what do the signatures look like? There's just so much room for fun there. I admire you for delivering it straight-faced as you did. Professional broadcaster, Maria Shaleos. Thank you so much. All right, on to another equally serious story. Uh, Breakdancing in the Olympics. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Let me, let me, let me compose myself. We learned not that long ago that in the Paris Games in 2024, that breakdancing, that breakdancing will be a part of the games. Uh, They're going to call it breaking. I've been to a few of these events before. Uh, my, My wife and I, when we were dating, uh, inexplicably, we found ourselves at uh, breakdancing competitions. There is a lot of energy. It's a pretty cool thing to see. The the skill and the dedication and the rehearsal and the practicing and the, uh, the evolution of style and all that, uh, I, I see it. But is it an Olympic sport? I'm not sure. Let's go to someone who does know. Josh Perkins, uh, executive director of 1520 Arts, is on the line. Josh, uh, sir, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm grateful to you for uh, joining us today. Let me first ask you, what are, what are your bona fides when it comes to breakdancing? What, what's your background? Uh, so let's see. I've been dancing for 21 years, um, and 1520 Arts is a nonprofit um, where we sort of you know push to legitimize hip-hop arts, including breaking, and we've been around for 11 years. What, uh, what, how'd you react when you heard that, that breaking would be a part of this 2024 Games? Right. Um, you know, it's been an ongoing conversation. So it was a provisional um, edition as of 2019. And then, you know, as of uh, a few days ago, it's officially been put in. So the community sort of known about it for a little while. And, you know, it's, it's exciting. It's an interesting step forward. Um, you know, but there's also concerns within the, the global community, you know, about how it's going to be presented. But I think overall, it's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. O- overall, a good thing. What? Uh, let me ask you this. What do you? What, what can spectators of the Olympics expect to see in 2024? That's kind of something we don't quite know yet. So they have said that they are going to do a one v one, 
uh, event, there will be 16 B-boys, 16 B-girls, so an equal split between uh, male and female participants. Um, and other than that, you know, if, if we look at that, we can assume it's probably going to be, you know, just so what we would consider a typical battle, right? One versus one back and forth. We don't know what the rules are going to be on judging or music or how the rounds are going to be set up. And so that's something we're just going to kind of find out along with everyone else over the next few years. In these, in these one V one dance battles, how in that setting, uh, you know, more traditionally, maybe some of the, the, the battles that I've attended right. or you've, how is a winner determined there? So typically, you know, you view the battle as kind of a, an argument, right? You think you're better than me. I think I'm better than you. We go a predetermined number of rounds, right? Once each, three times each. Um, the DJ is playing the music of their choice. Um, and then you have a panel of judges, and those judges are looking for how well you are using the music, right? It's still a dance, uh, first and foremost. You know, they're looking for how um, original your content is, how creative you're being, how clean your rounds are, how well you execute. And at the end of, you know, the, the battle, you know, typically the judges will, you know, someone will count to three and the judges will, will choose a winner. Um, they have a couple other scoring systems that exist, but effectively, you know, the judges are sort of choosing who they think, yeah. you know, is doing the best uh, in that in that scenario. And uh, you said overall this is a, a good thing, uh, though there is some hesitation, w- wondering about how it will be perceived and presented. Uh, what uh, what are some of the, the, the fears you might have? So, I mean, the, the, the sort of concerns, you know, right now I, is that, you know, we don't really know what the judging system and the music system is going to look like. So one of the one of the biggest things for me personally is is concern over the music. Right. So typically uh, if I go to an event, you go to an event, a DJ is providing the music and the DJ is playing tracks that they know we like. But you're not really you don't know what's going to be played and the DJ can choose from almost anything. So when you're talking about an event being broadcast on you know, national and global television, there's obviously concerns with music rights. Yeah. And so one of the big concerns is how are they going to approach that if you're going to allow the DJs to play whatever, if there's going to be a very sort of like canned and approved um, you know, array of music. Um, in a situation like that, then the problem you run into is, is as an artist right, and as a dancer – if I know all the music or if the music is very specific, then I'm sort of forced to kind of conform, you know, my movement to that music, right? Which can sort of, you know, um, handicap and neuter the dance, you know, in the way we sort of view it. So that's a concern. Strip away the, uh, got strip away the creativity out, and the improvisation. Right. And so how do you, you know, th- this is sort of a breaking is a unique thing because it's, it's being presented as sport, but it's dance at the same time. And so when you have something that's artistic, there's a subjectivity to it, you know, that's hard to, you know, how do you, how do you present that in a way where I can score it, where an audience is accepting of it, you know, while also, you know, remaining true to the traditions and the culture that are, are involved in the, the dance. Sure. Uh, how about you, Tons? Do we have some, uh, we have some competitors who might uh, see themselves on the Olympic stage in a few years? I mean, I hope so. Um, you know, Utah, you know, believe it or not, has produced and continues to produce both national and international level talent um, and has done so, you know, for the last 15, 20 plus years. 
Um, four years is a long time, though, you know, and you look at me, I'm 39. And we there's the other day, you know, if you're in your mid 20s right now, you know, by the time the Olympics comes up, your your career may not be on that level anymore. So but there are there is a really great, you know, younger generation in Utah currently that practices hard and is very dedicated and very focused. And, you know, it'd be really awesome to see some of them get the at least the opportunity to try and represent themselves in the country. Thank you. Josh Perkins, executive director of 1520R. It's breaking down for us the newest addition to the Olympic slate of games in 2024 when the Summer Olympics make their way to Paris. Breaking, breakdancing will be on the docket. We'll see it at an Olympic level. Uh, Josh, thanks again for uh, for chatting with us. And as we get closer to these games, uh, let's be in touch again, all right? Yeah, thanks for having me. We'd love to uh, talk again about it. All right. Uh, We're going to take a break right now, and when we return, uh, as I came to know about the addition to these Olympic Games, breakdancing, it it triggered some memories in my mind, some of the odd or more obscure additions uh, to Olympic Games over time. There are some some contests that have taken place in years past that uh, will, will blow you away. We'll get through that list next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike, final segment of today's episode. Big day today. We kicked off the show with uh, some unsettling news, uh, but there is reason to be optimistic. We started with a conversation uh, between myself and my former boss, Congressman Rob Bishop. He, uh, late Monday, suffered a mild stroke. And, you know, after assessing himself, realizing that, yeah, Uh, I'm in some trouble here, Uh, made his way to George Washington University Hospital, where uh, he remains now. He joined us on the line earlier to uh, let us know that, uh, yes, in fact, uh, he had suffered uh, a stroke. He highlighted the importance to if you should see some of those symptoms in yourself, if you uh, have uh, difficulty with balance, if there is blurred vision, if uh, there is an asymmetry to your face. Uh, be fast is the acronym. And that final T is time. Time is of the essence. If you uh, find yourself exhibiting some stroke symptoms, there is no time to wait. You got to make the call. And he did. And he uh, made his way to the hospital. And he, uh, at least as far as he and I have been able to be in communication, including a conversation on this program earlier today, uh, he is certainly in good spirits. Uh, he is looking forward to, to being discharged maybe today and uh, some difficulty walking. But other than that, uh, he's feeling good and strong and recuperation is on the horizon. Uh, and the reason, here's the deal. Uh, what's the purpose, you might ask, of uh, you know having the congressman on the air to share his uh, you know, his, his medical circumstances from the hospital even. Well, he did so, and he, he insisted upon it. And in fact, I told him, I said, listen, uh, I, you, this isn't a conversation you need to have on the air. And he said, no, the, the reason I want to have it is because there has been a piece of legislation that I've been working on for oh so long, and that is so important to the defense of our nation and to Utah and Hill Air Force Base, and that is the NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act. It's the big piece of spending legislation uh, to fund or to authorize the the funding of the Department of Defense and the military. And year after year, Congressman Bishop finds himself on the the committee that negotiates the final version of that bill. He did so this year, and he wasn't able, because of his medical circumstances, he wasn't able to vote for that piece of legislation. 
and he didn't want anyone to think that he was making some kind of protest or he wasn't supportive or anything like that, uh, but that he had, in fact, a good excuse for not being on the floor of the U.S. House yesterday to cast the vote for that piece of defense spending. Uh, So we wish him the very best. Uh, I will be praying and rooting for him, uh, and I'm also very optimistic that he'll be back up and on his feet. Uh, He's a bulldog, and he'll be back at it here soon. Uh, Anyway, a few moments left. You heard before the commercial break, we had a conversation with Josh Perkins. He's the executive director of 1520 Arts. reason we spoke to him is because of an announcement that came down not too long ago uh, that in the 2024 Olympics, (laughs) in the 2024 Olympics, the Summer Games in Paris, that breakdancing will be, (laughs) breakdancing will be one of the competitive sports. Yeah. Trying to get a sense of how that'll work, uh, Josh, uh, not certain quite yet, but uh, he presents it as a, a legitimate competition. I'm still uncertain. I'll need to see it in action before I make a determination. But what it did do, it reminded me that over the course of the Olympic Games, over history, there have been a number of competitions <laughs> that make me scratch my chin and say, hmm, how did that exactly get into the lineup. Some of them that continue, even today, I wonder exactly how they get to stay. Curling? Curling? A serious competitive sport involving a broom? (laughs) All right, fine. All right, if you say so. There have been some fascinating sports uh, in the past. In fact, at the turn of the century, 1902, I think, the games of 02... And six, maybe, I could have the years wrong, but I know it was early 1900s, tug of war. Yeah, tug of war, competitive tug of war was an Olympic sport. I would love to watch that. I would love to watch some tug of war. Absolutely, 100%. There for a time uh, were, uh, there was, yeah, this is real, horse long jump. In fact, uh, last time horse long jump was in the Olympic Games, it was in 1900 at Paris. In Paris. Oh, this this is one. This is one. And you know, I'm I'm a gun guy, so you can see me getting excited about this one. Dueling pistols. Yeah, dueling was an Olympic sport. Again, early 1900s. That's when there were a lot of odd ones there included in the Olympics. Now, uh, b- before you, you get worked up, don't worry. It wasn't it wasn't two people facing off, firing at one another. Uh, they were standing side by side, and when it came time to draw and fire, they'd be shooting at targets, and whoever hit the target first accurately uh, was deemed the winner. But it was an Olympic sport, nonetheless, dueling pistols. I'd like to see that one come back. Uh, tug of war, I mentioned. Uh, oh, uh, pigeon shooting? You know, like skeet, uh, p- clay pigeons. Well, imagine a time, again, 1900, in Paris, uh, it was real-life pigeons. What would PETA have to say about that? This one, I'm not sure how this one worked. Uh, the last time it was held was 1992, and this is this is the name of the sport. Solo synchronized swimming. Yeah, I'm not, not sure if you are alone, you know, wh- how you are synchronizing. But anyway, it was an Olympic sport. Also, last one I'll describe, called Plunge for Distance. It was you jump off the starting block in a pool, and you dive into the water head first, and you must remain absolutely still. You can't propel yourself at all. No kicking. uh, There's no crawl stroke, nothing. You have to stay absolutely ramrod straight and try to coast for as far as you can. Whoever covers the longest distance wins. Plunge for Distance. 
Uh, I've got to go. 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. If you want to weigh in uh, and suggest some Olympic games that you'd like to see, uh, you know, if we're adding breakdancing, might as well uh, throw at it the kitchen sink. Let's hear what you have to say. Uh, I'm going to sign off. I'll see you tomorrow at 1230. Next up is Jeff Kaplan's Afternoon News here on KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.